Hey everybody, welcome into the No Country for Average Men podcast. Today, we are going to cover the crazy, crazy NFL week that we just got through. We're going to break down HBO's new show, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, and in honor of Genius, a Kanye trilogy, which just debuted on Netflix a few weeks ago, we are going to give you our top 10 Kanye West songs each. I am Cody Walker, joined by my co-host, longtime friend, and former Bleacher Report writer, Tom Lockery. Tom, how's it going? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just digesting, digesting a lot of things. A lot of stuff happened this week. Yeah, we've been planning on doing this for, I would say, a few weeks now, a month. And what more could you have asked for in the week that we decided on as far as breaking news goes? I'll be honest. I We had an idea going in of like what we were going to talk about. And then as the week progressed, it changed probably about five times. So... It's funny to see what the topics are now, and it's funny to see what the NFL is going to look like. Yeah, you can't really ask for much more at the beginning of March than what the NFL just gave us this week. You would have thought there was a trade deadline set in March before free agency. So with that being said, let's get into the absolutely insane NFL week with probably the biggest thing that happened this week. The Giants Cup punter, Riley Dixon. Now, the Russell Wilson trade, that is what everyone wants to talk about. That is the big news um just to break it down the broncos traded drew lock defensive lineman shelby harris tight end noah fant two first round picks a 2022 second round pick a 2023 second round pick and a fifth round pick for russell wilson and a fourth round pick tom from the broncos perspective how do we feel about getting russell wilson i mean it makes you a championship contender right like the goal of the trade if you're the Broncos is we think we have the pieces in place to win now, but all we're lacking is not having a certain person behind the center. So if I'm the Broncos, I'm a little upset giving up uh, four first and seconds over the course of two years. But I also have to weigh in the fact that Russell Wilson's not that old, right? Like he's, We'll fact check it, but 33, if I were to guess, he's early 30s. Um, yeah, um, I completely agree. And this feels like they're taking a page out of the Rams blueprint because, as we all know, sports is a copycat thing. You try to go for whatever's working and the Rams just pushed all of their chips into the middle and it feels like the Broncos are are now doing the same. Yeah. Uh, if you're the, the Seahawks, Cody, how do you feel? So I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of trading a franchise quarterback from my team, uh, especially when you have weapons like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But I think it was very clear something was not clicking this season, um, especially with DK Metcalf. Um, he's too talented to not be putting up the numbers he was. Um, you know, And I've also seen reports that Russell Wilson was getting frustrated with Pete Carroll's kind of run-first conservative approach. Um, which, you know, I, I understand you're Russell Wilson. You want to, you want to sling the ball, you know? So as far as what they got though, I mean, again, I don't feel like they won the trade. It's Russell Wilson, but you're not going to win trades when you're trading away a player of his caliber. And I think they got, man, just about all you could really ask for outside of having that guy under center in, in return. Yeah. Let me follow up and ask this. Are you, if you're the Seahawks, are you more excited about the hall of picks are you more excited about upgrading at tight end and defensive line and getting kind of like your transitional guy so you don't absolutely kind of stink up the place right off the bat? 
Um, I think I'm more excited about the picks. Um, I love Noah Fant. I love Shelby Harris. I think he's a great locker room guy to have on your team. Still a lot of talent there. Um, Drew Locke does not excite me. Um, I like Drew Locke. I think he's fun. I like seeing him, you know, lip sync rap on the bench. I think it's a good time. But if you're the Seahawks, you're in an okay position right now because you have these first round picks. This year is it's a pretty weak quarterback class. There is rumors of the the Sean Watson to Seattle. Um, so, you know, you have a chance on that, but you have a good chance to rebuild now. Um, you know, like you said, if you want to ride Drew Locke one year, what's the harm? Maybe he'll surprise you. You know, it happens. Um, and also just a comment on what you said before, Russell Wilson is 33 years old. So, you know, that's a lot of football left. If, uh, if we look at Tom Brady, it's a lot of time left, but not everyone's Tom Brady, but this, I love this trade for Denver, especially in a division that already had Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. Now you have your guy. Uh, man, the AFC West is going to be fun. Yeah, I think that's like a perfect thing to end that like on because that division of all divisions in football has the most action going on right now. And like, for example, what was it? What is it? Saturday today, we're recording Saturday. And two days ago, Khalil Mack is on the move to Los Angeles. Uh, if I'm checking it right, it's a second this year for the bears and a sixth next year for the bear fourth. No, it was a sixth, a sixth next year for the bears. Um, I think the chargers are uh, winning this one pretty handily, but uh, what do you think? It's not even close. That is a steal for the chargers teaming up Khalil Mack with Joey Bosa. They've already got the guy quarterback. That's that, you know, that's not the problem. It's now there's two really good quarterbacks in our division. Derek Carr is still good. So three good quarterbacks in your division. And how do you, you know, how do you counteract that? You get possibly the best pass rushing duo we now have in the NFL without giving up a first round pick. I mean, this is a slam dunk. Historically, the Bears aren't going to brag about their trades, but I feel like they should revisit some things when they make these decisions because... I know Khalil didn't have the greatest year and he has been a little not prime Khalil of late, but he's still Khalil Mack. And the trick with Khalil Mack is when you pair him with somebody on the other side, he's Khalil Mack and, and that's important. So I think I completely agree. The bears won or the chargers won this trade. And I think the bears better have an idea of who this player is that they're getting with this first pick or the second round pick this year, because What's your plan? Like, what's your plan this year if you're the Bears? Yeah, and that's the tricky part with these drafts because as far as fans are concerned, they're now going to be eyeballing that pick and they're going to sit there and say, you traded Khalil Mack for that guy, and now there's so much more pressure on that player than there would have been as a second-round pick because he was involved in the Khalil Mack trade. Right, John Gruden Um, got fired when he traded Khalil Mack. I mean, not directly, but, like, that's the implication. Yeah, not a great start. And um, I hated that trade from the moment it happened. Uh, pay the guy, you know. Uh, don't know why you wouldn't, but that's neither here nor there. Just to touch on the Chargers again, here's what's exciting about them. So, like we said, they have Herbert, they have Mac, they have Bosa. They re signed Mike Williams this week, which kind of flew under the radar. Three years, 60 million, I believe it was, which it's a high number, but that's free agency, right? Players get paid. They still have a lot of cap space and they still have their first-round pick. I've seen reports that they're going to go after J.C. Jackson from the Patriots. They're going to go after Stephon Gilmore. If they can get – I'm 
slipping on his name right now. The defensive tackle from Georgia, I think his last name is Davis, that just blew up the combine. Courtney? No. No. Is it Jordan? Jordan. Jordan Davis, yeah. Jordan, Jordan Davis. Big if country. they can get four eight yeah. four four if, seven eight. Yeah. If they can get him in the middle of that defensive line, along with Bosa, along with Khalil Mack, they had one of the worst run defenses in the league last year. That problem is solved. The Chargers look out for them. They're they're coming along with the Broncos, along with the Chiefs. If you're the Raiders, how kind of bummed are you right now <laughs> with the way this offseason is shaking out? Yeah, I remember us talking a lot over the course of last season about how the Chargers kind of the run defense was their hole, right? Like they definitely didn't make the playoffs because of that, what was happening there. Obviously, this division is strong. Now it's stronger. So if you're the Raiders, you're going into 2020 through 2022 with nothing inspiring on your roster. If I'm being honest, like you have the same team. So I think if I'm running that team, if I'm the GM, my plan is to make a splash in free agency, right? Like that has to be it. either you're going to find somebody in the draft or you're going to make a splash in free agency. Cause otherwise you're running it back against stronger opponents and knowing like you're going to be leaning very hard on Derek Carr, who's now the third or fourth best guy in this division. Like we know how I feel about Derek Carr, but still you, you can't put that much on him. I don't think he deserves that much pressure. The defense can't do it all. And it's going to be tough real quick, because there are some listeners that might not know how you feel about Derek Carr. Do you, do you want to give your, uh, We'll say mini spiel on your feelings about Derek Carr. Yeah, I'll be as nice as I possibly can. I think Derek Carr is hyper talented. I mean, he has proven time and time again, specifically the season where he got hurt and was like a leading MVP candidate. Let's just call it 2014. I could be wrong. 16. 16. Thank you. He absolutely was tearing it up at that point. He had good receivers, but not great receivers. They were like aging vets. Now he had like a good core of guys and the Henry rug stuff off the field that like cost him a little bit of spark in the offense, but Derek Carr will get you to the fourth quarter in a place to win. I strongly feel he will not win you the game. And I think that's his only shortcoming is he is not going to get you over the edge. Now, specifically in divisional games, he's going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes. He's going to have to be Justin Herbert. He's going to have to be, Russ, wait, am I yes. saying, yeah, Russell Wilson, like, come on, man. Like there's no way there, there's no way you're telling me right now. They're not going to go like one and five in that division. It's brutal, man. So let me ask because the Raiders big changes this year. They have a new GM and Dave Ziegler, 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 however you pronounce it. They hired could- Josh McDaniels as their head coach. Is this the worst time to, to tear it down in Vegas? I know you're still a new, exciting team, but this is the hardest division in football, and, and you're clearly in last in the weapons race. Do we do, do we trade Derek Carr, get some pieces? Do we maybe move a Josh Jacobs, you know, great running back who just plays a position that's not as valued as it used to be in the NFL, get some pieces there, and start building this up again while these teams kind of duke it out? Because, again, let's be honest, the Raiders are not winning this division. They're just not. Yeah, uh, my only fear with that, and I agree that they have to kind of pack it in this year, like fight, fight, battle with whatever you have on the field. But you kind of got to know going into the season, you're if you make the playoffs, you did everything you could. 
Like they, that would be a shock to me if they made the playoffs given the schedule, but I, you can't, you're kind of young, man. Like a lot of your pieces and a lot of your talent is built to like be getting better at this point. So like, yes, I think you shopped Eric Carr around to answer that question. No, I don't think you moved Josh Jacobs because I, he's very young. He's like 22 or 23. He's one of the youngest backs with as much experience as he has. He's been thousand yard guy a couple times. Like he has the talent to just kind of take you over the, like get you over the hump. But I do agree that like they need to think about what their winning formula is. I just don't know what it is right now. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, um, Again, if you want to keep Josh Jacobs, it makes sense. They just re-signed Max Crosby to a big four-year deal. He's an exciting piece on defense. It, it's just what you have around them. They just need to work on, and now is not the worst time to you know start stocking up some assets and, and seeing what you can build in a couple of years. Um, with that being said, let's move on to our favorite division, the NFC East. For people that don't know, I am a Giants fan. Tom is an Eagles fan. We fly make it work. Fly. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, Zero to ten. How happy are we that Carson Wentz got traded to the Washington Commanders? I am uh, an eleven. It's yeah. the best. It's the best thing that could have happened. And just in reviewing this trade for the pot, I'll let you go to the details next. My favorite part of Carson Wentz trades is the commonality that they're going to put a clause in there about how much he plays. So go ahead and give me the details. <laughs> so. <laughs> Obviously, Washington gets Carson Wentz, and they get a 2022 second-round pick. The Colts also receive a 2022 second-round pick. They receive a 2022 third-round pick, and they currently have a 2023 third-round pick that becomes a second-round pick if Carson Wentz plays 70% of the snaps this season. Um, Love this trade for the Colts, and here's the thing that's not included in the details. Washington agreed to pay all of Carson Wentz salary, all of it. The Colts don't have to pay a penny, meaning that huge amount of money that every team has regretted paying Carson Wentz is all in the books for Washington. The Colts clear a ton of cap space with an already talented team. Love this trade for the Colts. Yeah, uh, that's similar to what the Eagles did, right? So the Colts are just passing the buck of the salary. So (laughs) it makes me laugh so hard to watch this poor guy get shopped around the league and teams are literally paying to trade him. Mm-hmm. They're, they're saying, Hey, let's take a shot on this guy. Never mind. Like when our team's going to learn is Carson Wentz going to refine that pre-injury form? I, I don't have the answer to that question, but I, if I'm a, a betting man, I can't be, but if I'm a betting man, I would not <laughs> be considering Carson Wentz, my franchise guy after given what we just saw last year. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, granted they're young pieces, but there were good pieces there in Indianapolis. You had a run game to hide behind a great offensive line. Michael Pittman is an awesome young receiver. Um, Mo Alley Cox at tight end. You know, there were pieces there, you know, bring them to Washington. You have Terry McLaurin, you have Antonio Gibson. I don't know. I just personally, I don't see it working out. Um, maybe we're surprised again, we've been wrong before. We'll be wrong again. Maybe we're surprised, but I love this division. I feel like it's wide open this year. You know, the Cowboys are the favorites. So let's just to be clear, they are the favorites. They should win on paper, but there's no reason another team couldn't surprise everyone this year. Um, you know, with probably your team being second, Washington being third and, 
whatever that other team is probably having the, the least chance to win the division this year. But I can't remember what the fourth team is. Can you just remind the, the listeners? Uh, no. <laughs> it's the New York Jets or the Giants? I can't remember. They're about the same. The, the Buffalo Giants, as we're <laughs> now being known. Um, so those were the, the big trades this week, I believe, unless I'm missing one. No, I believe you got them all. But I did have one more question for you on this because this was brought up to me by somebody that I was talking to this week. And they said, I have the idea for the Colts at quarterback because right now the plan is Sam Ellinger. I'm not in love with that. Uh, they're either going to draft someone, but I don't feel they have the draft capital. They don't have a first. Mm -hmm. So Jimmy Garoppolo was the name that was proposed to me. And I think from a standpoint of doing exactly what is expected, there's probably not many people in the league that do that better than Mr. (laughs) Jimmy G. So, uh, how do you feel about better and, and for worse? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't hate it. I don't love it. You know, um, Jimmy G's good enough. Yeah, he's good enough to get you there. I don't mean to be, you know, disrespectful about Jimmy G. Um, We have a a friend and relative who is a very big 49ers fan who has been through the ringer with Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, there are worse options out there. But with that being said, just if you look at the AFC, the quarterbacks in that conference right now, we already named the three in the AFC West. You've still got Josh Allen sitting there. You've still got Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I mean, you have to go through the ringer in these playoffs against good quarterbacks, and you're going to need that guy. So, you know, it's a shame they're in the same division as the Texans because I could see Deshaun Watson really doing wonders for that team if he becomes available. Um, But I don't see the Texans trading him within the division. just doesn't seem like a possibility. I agree. So then you're left with, and here's what's interesting. As we're recording this, I just saw, CBS Sports reporting that the Vikings are now open to trading Kirk Cousins and the Colts are one of the places being considered. I would rather have Jimmy G than Kirk Cousins personally, <laughs> but that's a tough you one. know, yeah, yeah. Um, at least Jimmy G, I can trust him to win the game a little bit. Kirk Cousins, I can trust to throw it away. That's Kirk Cousins will get you 300 yards, two touchdowns, and an L. Exactly. Empty stats. Empty yeah, stats. A hundred percent agreed. I that's intriguing. I given that information, if I'm the Vikings, if I have the opportunity to get rid of Kirk right now, I know they're not just gonna get rid of Kirk and be like, okay, who do we get now? They're they're in the Deshaun Watson uh conversation, right? They have to be. Hundred percent. You have Justin Jefferson sitting there. If you can pair him up with a Deshaun Watson, I mean, man, that that's a duo right there. And the NFC North is you know, pretty weak. The Lions shouldn't be doing too much. Justin Fields is still a question mark. Obviously, the Packers are bringing Aaron Rodgers back, which is huge news we're about to touch on here in a second. Um, yeah, but they're the so clear yeah, two. You're right. They're the clear two. It's the Packers ahead of the charge because they've bringing back everybody. And then the bottom two are just kind of still trying to figure it out, f- figure out their identity. So I agree the Vikings, even if they run it back with Kirk, they're the clear two. So like if they can upgrade to that position, that's the play. Yeah, you know, you're closer to being a 1B than you were the two you know, the year before. And uh, since we're on the topic, Aaron Rodgers is staying in green Bay. Um, obviously this is our first episode, so you wouldn't know how we felt about it. But I said for a few weeks now, I, I thought he'd be staying. I thought they performed a lot better than people thought they would this year. Um, it's not I, the exciting news, but you know. Yeah. I was convinced he would go to Denver. We had this conversation plenty of times. Uh, I was wrong. I think him staying does make the most sense for him. 
and for the Packers. But now what? Like, what is your if you're the Packers, what what takes you over the edge? Is it continuity? Because they've been playing that game for so long that I don't believe in it. But I do think this one two punch at running back is strong. Having Devontae franchise tagged, that's a check mark that you needed to check. Who do you bring in from this like free agent class? Like, who, who are you thinking about bringing in to like bolster the other wide receiver core? Ooh, the wide receiver core. Um, you know, that could be a potential juju spot. I could see that would make a lot of sense. I actually like what Randall Cobb gave them last year, though. You know, the familiarity with Rodgers really helps. Um, Valdez Scantling was really, you know, kind of hitting a stride at the end of the season. So if you're the Packers, the good news about this week is the NFC is not as good as it was a week ago. You know, Russell Wilson is now gone. You're unsure of what the 49ers are going to do at quarterback. They may come back with Trey Lance this year. Um, you, you know, there's not really a, a huge threat outside of the Rams, which, you know, that's that's what you're expecting. You don't really have to go through this gauntlet. And let's not forget, the Packers are a pump block away from being in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, ugh, they were the better team, really. It felt like that whole game. And the Niners just made the play when they needed it. And and that got them there. So running it back might not be the worst thing, but I agree. How many years in a row can you really just keep running it back before, you know, you need that big splash? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I am a big like proprietor of the run it back method. I think it works. I think that's why the Packers are consistently one of the better regular season teams, but the San Diego Chargers will tell you that if you keep running it back with Philip Rivers, you end up repeating yourself. So obviously I'm not comparing the two. I, we know Aaron Rodgers is a different breed than Philip Rivers, but I Same just caliber potential as a, as a roster though. I feel like that's important. You know, with Danian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, that was a very talented football team that just never could get over the hump. Right. So when I think the the problem with Aaron Rodgers, his whole career arc, is that he won that title so early and so convincingly that we decided he was one of the greats. And I'm not saying he's not, but I am saying that he hasn't cemented it. He he put himself in the conversation, but he never cemented it, similar to a Drew Brees. He right. got that win, but then, then what? So we're asking a lot of the guy, but I do think from a talent standpoint and like a coaching standpoint and like an organization standpoint, like this is the Packers. They're, they have to be a top two, top three title contender. And I just... I just can't pick them until they show me something else. And I'm waiting for what that is. I agree. They're starting to feel just to give an NBA uh, comparison, like kind of like the Utah jazz. They're always a top seed every single year. And you see the talent and how good they are defensively. And then the playoffs get here and it's the same story. Um, and, and just to echo your Aaron Rodgers sentiment. Um, I agree because he has goat talent. He is one of the greatest passers I've ever seen in my life, but he can't even be in the conversation because of the accomplishments. And Correct. that's the issue. And is that all Aaron Rodgers? No, you know, there's been years where the Packers organization has not done what they needed to do for him. Um, like trading up and drafting Jordan love, for example, but Why? To... <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so yeah, it, it, it this is going to be a big year for the Packers again, at least now you have them signed for a few years, but Honestly, who's to say after this year, Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back and say, okay, trade me again. And we're right back where we started, you know, yeah, um, the, let, let's hope not. It's an ever building frustration with that guy. I feel like uh, we, you and I agree that he is uh, hard to build around, but also hard to give away. So like the Packers are in an 
intriguing situation where they need to just stay the course for now. And I think they did the right thing. I just, for their sake, if I'm a Packers fan, I'm still like wishy-washy going into the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, and then are there any franchise tags that we want to just quickly address? Um, I have one in mind um, that I was very, very surprised by. And that was the Browns tagging David and Joku. Um, it was a tight like- end year for franchise tags. I noticed several went tight end. Yeah. I thought that was strange. Yep, Mike Gesicki was another one, and I believe Dalton Schultz on the Cowboys. Yeah. See that was one, one as well. I fully support that dude. Proved it and earned his earned his billing. But yeah, and Joku, like you have two other tight ends on the roster. What are we doing? But do you franchise Schultz over Amari Cooper? That's the question. No. Right. I feel the same. But who knows? We'll see what they can get for Amari Cooper. There's rumors that they're gonna trade him now instead of just outright cut him so we'll see what happens there but do you know how many yeah, years the, are left on his deal not to put you on the spot I'm not i sure. don't i know it's not a ton, i think it's two i could yeah, be wrong though but i think it's right. two and he could become a free agent after this year i believe but i, I could be wrong um, no, I, I think you're right he was on a list i saw for like 2023 like oh you should keep an eye on these names so he has a probably right. better option at the end of his deal yeah and i also i love the mike gesicki Jasicki Gasicki, however you say his name. I love that franchise tag. He is what I hoped Evan Ingram would be as a Giants fan. He like plays the slot. He's dependable. He, you know, he has those big games. Well, and with uh, Mike McDaniels coming in as head coach from the 49ers, you see the way he utilized George Kittle these last few years. That's exciting for Miami, you know? Yeah, I I approve of it. It definitely gives to a safety net. That's kind of what you want your tight end to be as somebody that has great hands that can be open. Um I'm excited for Gasicki. I think he has a lot to prove still because he's been so up and down, but I do agree that like the only one that like caught my eyes and was put up the red flag was Njoku. I don't think he's not talented. Everyone knows that he can score from 80 yards away at any point, but <sighs> the Browns, man, like what, what, what else is there to say? That team is in disarray in my opinion. Yeah. Especially when, I think it's been pretty apparent to all of us who watch. They don't utilize him how you would think they would. They went and signed Austin Hooper to big money just a couple of years ago. He's a free agent this year now, so I get maybe this is now in Joku's time. But, you know, you would have liked to have seen a little more before franchise tagging a guy. But, you know, that's what you do in these situations. You want to maybe give him one more year, see how it goes, see how Baker does, if if that's who they're running back, and, uh, you know, kind of go from there. I agree. I, you, I, the Baker situation, and we won't get into it right now. I assume that's their their plan is to run it back with Baker, but I wonder if they're in the market for some of these other names that are still floating around and just quietly trolling and seeing what they can get. Because I, I don't know. It was just it was just a year for, with a lot left on the table for the Browns. I think a lot of people thought they were a contender maybe not for the championship, but like definitely to win that division. And some people thought they were a championship contender given how they ended the prior year. But like about six games in, we all kind of figured out, Hey, <laughs> this ain't it. This team ain't it. So I'm curious to see what they do. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll be honest. I, I rag on Baker Mayfield a lot. I'm not a big Baker Mayfield fan, but you still give him credit for playing as hurt as he was last year and things like that. So I don't mean to, to be disrespectful about him, but it's to me, it is clear he's not the guy. But at the same time, Cleveland, what what other option do you have right now? But let me ask you, how right 
does Kirk Cousins in a Cleveland Browns uniform feel? It just it's I've never heard you say that. And if you have, I apologize if I don't remember, but I have not. It feels right. Like, yeah, you just you're going to play great and lose. It's just perfect for him. That's the Browns. Simple. It's Tom Brady in the Patriots jersey. It's Kobe Bryant in the Lakers jersey. <laughs> give give me Kirk Cousins in a Cleveland Browns uniform. I want to see it now. I'm I'm all on board. Does Baker work with the Vikings? Like, what are we doing here? Are we are we making trades? Ooh, ooh. you know, I I like. I don't know who I like more. <laughs> I don't either. Honestly. I genuinely don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we will see what a great week it has been. We have NFL free agency coming up this week. A lot more big moves are going to be made. And then we've got the draft coming up soon. So that was our crazy NFL week. On more. Oh, yeah, please. Harold Landry. That's a good a good keep. Oh, I feel like that's. I agree. Yeah, when I saw they weren't franchising him, I was a little concerned because you don't let a guy like him hit the open market when your defense was as good as it was last year. Uh, Big yeah. money, but earned money, earned money. Five That's double-digit sacks every year. Yeah, five years, $87.5 million with 52.5 in guaranteed money. I, I agree. That's huge money. But that player, that type of player, is becoming more rare in terms of repeatability, right? Like, we've seen guys do it for a year, but this guy's proved that he can do it for multiple. So I, I think you put pen to paper with him and ride it out because the Titans – they have uh, a nice little core there that if they stay healthy, I would not want to play them late in the season. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to say this really quick while we're on the subject. A lot of times, and I've, I've already seen it on Twitter a few times this year, people get mad about the price that players sign for. And, they you know, they sit there and they, like, curse that person, like, oh, they're not worth it. You can't be mad at the player, right? Be mad at your team if you want to, Sure. But, like, I'm a Giants fan. We signed Leonard Williams to huge money last year. Am I going to sit here and get mad at Leonard Williams for agreeing to a deal worth more than, you know, he probably should have gotten? No. All of us would do that, you know? So I'm happy for Harold Landry. I think that's awesome. And I I think it's smart for the Titans as well. Um, They're they're that dark horse every single year, you know? Yeah, especially playoff cold weather. That's the time you want the running back like Derrick Henry. We just have to hope he stays healthy. Completely agree. All right, so yeah, that is now it, I believe, for our crazy NFL week, and we're going to move on to the next subject. Okay, so each week on this podcast, we're going to break down the previous episode of Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, the brand new show on HBO that covers the Showtime Lakers and their rise to becoming the biggest dynasty in basketball. Um, The first episode was this week. It was called The Swan. Um... Basically, just to break down for you what happens in this episode, it is about Dr. Jerry Buss buying the Los Angeles Lakers, kind of learning his vision for what he sees in the team, while also going through the choice to draft Magic Johnson with the number one overall pick, and what really went into that, and some of the behind the scenes. Um, I I absolutely loved it. What did you think? Yeah, uh, I've never seen, so John C. Riley plays uh, Jerry Buss, and I'm not going to lie. I was a little skeptical. I thought humor in this role, not knowing who Jerry Buss was entirely as a Lakers fan. I didn't really know what to think of like the Jerry Buss character, right? That was my apprehension about the show. If it's going to be around him, how is that going to play into like John C. Riley's strengths? But I was blown away by his performance in this episode. I thought he fully got there and was very much in character starting from the beginning where he shows himself and well, there's going to be some spoilers here. So 
he he's talking about sex and basketball, man. He's just kind of comparing the two. And I love that he just is in that character the whole time. He it's, it's great start to the series for me. Um, what were your initial thoughts about John C. Riley or whatever you want to talk about? Yeah. I, I want to echo on what you said about John C. Riley because he, he blew me away this first episode. I thought, uh, very charismatic, very likable. Um, a little Jordan Belfort in there, I kind of felt. Um, yeah, um, which just to touch to the style, I guess, of, of the show in general, um, a lot of Wolf of Wall Street vibes, not not necessarily the quality, because I think that's one of the greatest movies of all time, and this was one episode, so I don't want to compare the two. But a lot of breaking the fourth wall, a lot of like style changes between sh- switching between different cameras, like 35 millimeter, and then making it look like it was shot in the 70s, I thought was so cool. Um yeah, I thought John C. Riley was fantastic. Um, I also want to touch on the guy they picked to play Magic Johnson, uh, whose name is Quincy Isaiah, who is a relative newcomer. Um, looking at his filmography, he was only in a is this a film? A short film called Corporate Coffee. It's the six minute long short film that came out in 2018. That is all that's listed for him on IMDb. So this is his first real role, and he was fantastic. I mean, I felt like he fully embodied what magic johnson is as a character and as an icon with the smile and you know that kind of like cocky swag he had going and uh i I absolutely loved it what did you think of the person they picked to play magic yeah so uh for those of you who haven't seen it which stop listening now please um it opens with the reveal that kind of a half reveal you got you have to know the backstory because they don't outwardly say it but yeah. by by the context of how he's playing the role, you find out that Magic has AIDS. And then they scale all the way back to Jerry Buss. I'm going to buy the Lakers today. And I think from like that, like him being able to convey that scene without actually them saying like, hey, Magic, you have AIDS. That's a good start, man. Like he, he he's playing the role great. And then from there on out, he absolutely locked into this like bravado that Magic had that we know about just from seeing him carry himself and like, my favorite scene of his personally was the the meal, the awkward meal with 100%. Yeah. Okay. With it's Jack Cook we talked about, right? That's his name, yep. the former owner, and how off kilter he was about just like being around black people at that time. Like he straight up could not handle it. And yep. you see Jerry Buss is a very like easygoing, kind person. He reads the room quickly and he's like, listen. I'm going to walk him out. He breaks the ice and just like it, the whole way that scene played out was genuinely amazing. Yeah. J- just to, again, to take that even further, um, this is them meeting before the draft. Um, Jerry Buss wants to let Magic Johnson know he intends to draft him. And the person that still currently owns the Lakers does not want to draft Magic Johnson. He makes that very clear. Um, you can tell there's a little love for Larry Bird. We don't know why. Wink, wink. Um and his dad is sitting at the table and they start to have this almost awkward contract negotiation where magic is telling him, I want, I believe it was 600,000 yeah. or $650,000, yep. which that's a lot of money for, uh, that time, a lot of money. That's right. more than what, like, well-established starters were getting. And the owner's telling him, absolutely not. You know, this is not going to happen to magic is just, he's calling his bluff each time. He's like, well, that's what I want. That's what I'm worth. And if you don't, I'm going to go back to Michigan state. And it's what you see a lot more from athletes today. I didn't expect to see that in something from, you know, 30, 40 years ago now. Yeah. I was genuinely like, 
surprised that and i believe that's like again this show is going to be very uh this is based on true events but the characters are dramatized for the sake of yeah. art but it has to be good tv but i could see myself that that scene being based on a decent amount of reality and if i'm wrong i'll take the hit but like i think his bravado jumped off the page and he was like i want this much money well they're like wait uh is it kareem kareem makes 650 he's the best player in the league blah 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 he's old but it doesn't matter and then larry bird got 600 like you really think you're as good as larry bird yeah i just beat him like i love that that is awesome like that needs to happen more in the show i want him to show like convey how great magic was because of how great magic knew he was and i want also him to be put down and put in check in that scene and you we talked about it before the pop but go ahead and describe what happens with uh the current sitting point guard of the team yeah so the current point guard for the team is norm nixon who you know he's a good basketball player he's not you know someone you're looking to get rid of um and he learns that the lakers are looking at drafting magic johnson which Instantly, he feels challenges him, right? Because this is his team. It's him and Kareem. And he first hears about this in a barbershop where some of the women are kind of poking at him for his height and things like that. And that he's unsettles small. him. So he's small. Yes. <laughs> yes. Especially compared to Magic Johnson, who was probably the tallest point guard at the time in the league, I would imagine. By a lot. Um, yeah. So fast forward a little bit later, uh, Jerry Buss takes magic to a party in los angeles he, i think he kind of wants to get his face out there start getting you know okay this is going to be the guy in la get familiar with him and norm is at this party as well and you know they they're kind of having a little fun at first they're you know shooting some hoops and it quickly becomes a chess match between these two of this is my team and they decide to play one-on-one -on -one. and norm nixon absolutely takes it to him which i did not expect watching this i thought oh this is that moment where everyone's going to be like, oh my God, Magic Johnson. I was so wrong. Norm Nixon, I think lets him score one point and the rest is Norm Nixon just wiping the floor with him. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I thought Magic was going to be Magic. The crowd was there. Like, it's LA. You thought you were going to see Showtime right off the bat, which I don't think we talked about. That was the working title for this show. Mm -hmm. And then it got, like, HBO Max wants to run it. They're not going to call it Showtime. So we get winning time. I think it's clever, but it's it's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that scene was great, man. You just you don't expect it, which is nice. But you also when you see it, you're like, yeah, OK, I could totally see that happening. This dude has reps in the NBA. He's done a lot. He's going to be able to do what he wants because he has the mentality and magic has it in college. But right now he's not the guy in the NBA. So it's a little like taken aback. Like what I'm Magic Johnson which is another thing like Irvin Johnson, like a yeah. lot of people, they, they touch on like his nickname and who wants to call him magic and who wants to call him Irvin. But like, it's funny to see him kind of humbled right off the bat and like they rethink going back to college. Could you imagine if magic Johnson went back to college? How different the history books are, right? We don't get that immediate Larry magic rivalry. I feel like it would, it would even have given Larry a little step up on him that he went a year before him or, you know, so um yeah again i i haven't read the book showtime um that apparently the show is based on after the show i'm absolutely going to just because i'm this is so interesting just from the first episode um the other thing i wanted to touch on going back to when magic comes to la his father comes with him Irvin Irvin johnson senior played by rob morgan and there's a really nice scene where after the party magic is really you know unsure of himself at this point because basketball has always been so easy to him 
and to have it not be for just a couple minutes of his life really um like like you said humbled him and for the father to kind of step in and say you do whatever you want you don't even have to play basketball i will be so proud of you you know i will always love you don't worry about that and I, I feel like that's so important to break down the support system that Magic had behind him in these decisions. And I just to me, it was a very, very, very touching scene. What did you think? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's like with the way the NBA is going, we're hearing a lot more about the people behind the people we see, right? It was mm-hmm. huge in conversations about Kawhi Leonard. With his, Mm -hmm. I believe it was either his dad or his uncle. I can't remember. I believe it was his uncle. Mm -hmm. And now we're hearing it a little bit with Zion Williamson and his, uh, like, people behind the scenes. I think it's his stepdad in this instance, kind of saying things and guiding decisions. And I think it's interesting to see this conveyed in a obviously dramatized show. Like, we want to see, we want to see this. People are super intrigued by not only what happens on the court but like how how it gets made like how these families carry themselves and how they go into the league thinking one thing and ending up doing another thing let's talk about the the ball family holy crap like it's just a very (laughs) intriguing part of the game that i don't think has been visited in this medium yet and i'm excited to see how it plays out yeah and you know this is what's great about sports because even things like the draft that can get casual fans in because you get moments like one of my favorite moments. I'm a Knicks fan or <laughs> doesn't know. Um, so I don't have a lot of favorite moments, but one of them is when RJ Barrett was drafted and you see him and his father just hugging and crying during the interview. And like, they're just so overcome with emotion. I, anything like that, give it to me. Even if it's in a dramatization, if it's in real life, anything like that, people need to understand like really what goes into these guys getting to where they are. It's not, they don't just wake up and they're good at basketball because of their height or because, you know, sure it helps, but the amount of work that goes into it for these people. And, you know, his dad's a garbage man. And even the night that they're doing the the coin toss to see who gets the first pick, he can't be there with the family because he had to pick up a shift, you know, to, to keep, you know, making money for the family. I mean, I, I just I absolutely love the way that they portrayed that. So we'll kind of let you know, even though he is this charismatic, even though it seems like he's on top of the world and knows what he's about, he, he didn't grow up with everything. This wasn't just like, give, you, you don't see this in the rest of his family. Like there is something special about him to be the way he is in the way that he was raised. Oh, absolutely. They cut right, right to the heart of that family right off the bat. And it's awesome. It's awesome to see man, because the empowerment of your children is lost sometimes but in this family it is not like they hey you're Irvin Johnson man you're gonna make it and I I literally get chills thinking about how like cool some of those scenes were so I had another pivot for the show that was Jason Clark playing Jerry Buss like this dude's I don't know Jerry West Jerry West thank you he looks the part man he looks like jerry west like they they (laughs) yes he looks the part they did the makeup they made him look like it but holy crap if that does not give you an inside look to what jerry west was like like even if it's not all perfect first person stories you're seeing that that man was torn apart that he never won a title he was gutted to his soul that they couldn't get it done when he wanted and like 
the golf course scene where he is just he's talking about how to dribble and how being too tall to dribble you can't dribble well and i was like this dude is so confused on what matters right now because he's so obsessed with like going back to being a player uh what did you think about his role yeah Yes, just to be clear, Jerry West is the he's the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers at this time for anyone that doesn't know, former player. And he he's against the Magic Johnson pick. He doesn't want him. He thinks I have my point guard, I have Kareem. We need to get a, a scorer, a wing to to put around them. And Jerry Buss is buying the team and he informs Jerry West, I'm gonna draft Magic. And every chance he gets throughout the show, it is him telling people, I do not want Magic Johnson on my basketball team, which in hindsight what a mistake but that's why he's part of I the com- clippers man he he's out of there yeah exactly but um yeah as far as jason clark goes i completely agree he was perfect and, and just like you're saying um for those that don't remember there was a point during the cavaliers and warriors i believe they were in the finals four years in a row and lebron was playing so well the conversation was being had we might have to give him the mvp even if the warriors win we might have to do it doesn't happen very often that happened to Jerry West. He got the finals MVP despite losing to the Celtics in seven games. That shows you the caliber of player Jerry West was and to never win a championship and to be that talented because the Celtics were just, they just had a better overall team. They just, Jerry West did not have the teammates he needed to win these titles. That would haunt anyone for years. Anyone with a competitive mindset, which you, you know, you have to be in professional sports. Um, I'm curious to see where they go with this. I feel like it's going to be a kind of a running theme and we're going to see him warm up to magic. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for when that, that turn point happens. And then the only other thing I wanted to touch on, it's not, there's she's not in a lot, but I love that they put Jeannie bus in the show just for a few moments. Um, just to kind of show how young she was and she was already interested in basketball. And, and that's why it is her running the show. That's why Jeannie bus is still relevant in today's league. Um, I, I love that they added that in there. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I'll say about Jerry West is he's the logo, man. Like this dude had it and it's, uh, yeah, incredible. But Jeannie Buss was the other person I wanted to bring up as well. Like talk about a family support line. Like he is bringing her, Jerry is bringing Jeannie into the rooms and she's getting to see these things, but you can, it's conveyed very quickly her instincts for the game and her instincts for like everything that's happening. And it's, it's really cool to see her in her infancy of being leading up to what she is now, like that she was built for it, man. She's got all the the gifts and all the skills to like manage people and like see talent and see things. So like, I really think that role is going to be one of my favorites of the show. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, overall on this episode, I'm going to give it a solid, like seven or eight out of 10, somewhere in there. Great pilot pilots are very hit or miss. Um, and I, I feel like they knocked it out of the park and I'm still excited to see where the show goes on a, on a week to week basis is, you know, two people that didn't get to live through this, the, you know, this is like when the last dance came out during, uh, during COVID, you know, I, I, I never got to see Michael play. So to, you know, you know about it, but it's one thing to see it and to hear it. And, um, th- this is going to be a ton of fun. I'm so excited to talk about the show each week and kind of the revelations we get. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I was just I wanted to look up who played Jeannie Buss and I saw the name Hadley Robinson and I wasn't quite familiar, but like Little Women, I'm thinking of ending things, Utopia, like she's got a nice uh kind of career started up here. And I feel like 
she could like if this role could be a launching point to something bigger because I feel pretty strongly that that's going to be as the show evolves a very central role. I agree. It's a great start, great pilot. I might go a little higher. I might go like seven point five or eight. I really, really strongly think that we're about to see something great, and HBO is well known for putting out awesome, awesome content. So I'm excited that they're not going to filter a lot of things and they're going to show us like a very HBO style presentation. But yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes and I'll be tuning in tomorrow night. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, I can't believe I almost forgot this. The end of the episode, Magic Johnson has decided he's going to go back to Michigan State. He has made up his mind. He tells Jerry Buss after Jerry Buss finally buys the Lakers, it's now his, that I'm going to go back to Michigan State. And Jerry Buss right away knows what he's doing. He puts Magic's jersey in a locker, unbeknownst to him, walks him to the locker room, leaves him there, decides to let him do a little exploring. Magic sees the jersey. He sees the number 32. He then walks out onto the court, and immediately he knows this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where Magic Johnson was meant to play. And, man, just captivating, captivating stuff. Um but yeah, that was the first episode of Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers. Uh, again, we'll touch on episode two on the next episode. It comes out tomorrow night. Um, hopefully you have seen the, the first one already. If if you just listened to this, if not, we just spoiled it all for you. But still watch it, please. It's, it's a great show. You'll love it. Um, yeah, on to the next subject. Okay, moving on to our last big subject of the episode. We are going to list our favorite Kanye West songs. We're doing our top 10 each. So. 20 songs total. We'll probably have some in common. Um, the reason we're doing this is the documentary, I guess, miniseries, you'd call it, uh, Genius, a Kanye trilogy dropped on Netflix a couple of weeks ago. Uh, personally, I'm not finished with it yet, but I absolutely loved it. Um, the first episode that I saw, at least. So we thought, yeah, let's, let's talk about Kanye for a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on Kanye West just in general? Kanye West in general. Uh a genius man he uh <laughs> i love the name of the documentary he's a musician that you think yeah i probably know like five or ten kanye songs well and then you go to pick your favorites and you have a list of 25 and you're scrambling to get rid of some yeah. songs you like uh yeah. definitely an, an interesting documentary i've finished the first two and ta- started the third but i won't talk about the documentary much and then the last qualifier i want to add is we only are using songs that he is like the featured person on there on his albums. So there will be some thing, people saying like, where's watch the throne. No, that that's Jay-Z. I understand he made a lot of it and had a lot to do with it. And his voice is on it a lot. And his beats are. Yeah, on it. It's it's 50, 50 at best. And right. yeah, so we want specifically Kanye West here. And just like you're saying, we're also not going to do any Kanye West like features. Like it's, it's specifically his song. And, and just to add this again, this is our favorites. This is yeah. personal preference we're not saying these are the best so if a song you love is on here yeah well okay fair enough okay times are the best (laughs) mine are my personal preference um so don't kill us if a song you love did not make it you know it's 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 just our favorites you know uh we all have our personal opinions so just have fun with it you know that's all so 10 to 1 yeah 10 to 1 start 10 to 1 work our way up 10 Um, 10 to 1 and then we'll have a couple honorable mentions at the end of songs that just didn't quite cut it because if we, we talked about this before. We could probably have 15 honorable mentions, like you were saying. There are so many great tracks over the years, and it feels wrong to leave some of these out, especially going in when you're like, oh, that's for sure going to be on there, and then it's not. So, yeah, um, if you want to start, you can do your number 10 first, and then I will go, and we'll keep going back and forth. So, yeah, here we go. 
Sure. Uh, last question I got for you before we start. How did you feel your list looks compared to what you thought it was going to look like? Um, so I had my number one and my number two right off the bat. And then from there, I'm shocked. Um, not shocked, but I I feel like I did a pretty good job of hitting the different uh, stages of Kanye's career. Um, spoiler alert for me, I don't have anything from Donda on here. Uh but beyond that, I think I did a good job of hitting each album, um, which really speaks to his longevity and like how great he's been for so long. And um, even though it's different, you still enjoy it. Um, so, yeah. How about you? Same. I uh, expected one thing going in. I expected one album to be the the corner piece of my list, and it's not. And we all know what album that is because I agree. And I also do not have a song from Donda, though I did like it more than the masses. I briefly, and this will be an honorable mention that's not an honorable mention, I briefly considered Moon and Jail. Love Moon. Love Moon. Those are my two favorite songs from that album currently, but I've only heard it through once. So I like it doesn't have the staying power yet. And that's where I struggled with it. Yeah, and I haven't spent two hundred fifty dollars to listen to Donda Two yet, so that, that that's not on here. Hey, it's, it's only two hundred. It's only two hundred. It's wicked cheap. Let's do it. Oh, oh, I'll, hold on, I got to order that. Real quick. I, <laughs> I, no. I just ordered a so, <laughs> oh, beautiful. All right. I also have. So, yeah. Let's be clear. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not spending that type of money. So, Ooh, me first. Me first. Yep, Tom. Number ten. What do we got? Number ten overall. I have used this gospel from Jesus is King. Um, from only song i'm gonna have from that album which is probably not surprising to many of you i'm not uh going to talk about it too much but it from a beat standpoint and that's a lot of the things you're doing with kanye you're you're combining the lyrics with the beats with any music right from a beat standpoint this one stuck with me man it's, i've been playing the crap out of it since this album came out i believe two and a half years ago um use this gospel okay uh surprised right off the bat not in a bad way i like it um my number 10 is hey mama from the late registration album um i absolutely adore the song more lyrics for this one the, the beat's great but uh it's basically him giving appreciation to his mother um you know he's like uh and he performed this song after she passed away at the first concert he did at the o2 arena in london he did a live performance of it that was just so moving um i love the song before but seeing that really made the song you know stick with me um I think it's absolutely beautiful when Kanye gets deep and uh, you know, if you watch the documentary, the relationship that he has with his mother is absolutely beautiful. So uh, yeah, my number 10 is Hey Mama. I am also surprised off the bat. I, uh, I know the song. I like the song. I just, uh, this is going to be fun, man. I, I think we're going to surprise each other every step of the way. And on that note, number nine from my list is ghost town from yay. Again, I my favorite thing that Kanye does is get me liking a hook and a story. And this one kind of plays off his like combo tracks a little bit with Kid Cudi. There's a, there's a couple songs on other albums that like have like continuity with this idea. And it's it's just so well done, man. I, I'm a big fan of Ghost Town. Yeah, uh, again, surprised. I like it. Um... My number nine, this is a not surprising song at all. This is going to be the typical eye roll. Um, I have All Falls Down featuring, uh, I hope I'm saying this right, Selena Selena Johnson from the College Dropout, his very first album. 
I loved this song already. It's so catchy. The lyrics are awesome. This is Kanye, like oh, yeah. in that. Yeah, this is Kanye in that backpack rap phase where it's just like he is spitting hilarious lines. And again, I like the song already. In the very first episode of the documentary, you watch him go around the music label he's trying to be signed to, playing this song for them. And it, again, it just made me like it even more than I already did. Um, so yeah, that is my number nine absolute banger. Most people know that song. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not an eye roll for me. You'll uh, you'll be hearing that one a little up higher for me. It's a little spoiler, but it's not at eight. It's not at eight. At eight, my choice was from the college dropout, and it is boom, 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 boom. boom. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus walks. Uh, I believe this gets some play in the documentary as well. I've yes, only seen each episode once, so I do remember this beat coming through when I was. When did College Dropout come out? Like, what year are we talking? Two thousand four. The documentary takes place mostly in two thousand two and two thousand three. Okay, so I'm hearing these songs. I'm born in nineteen eighty nine. I'm hearing these songs right about at the start of high school, and that beat is absolutely glorious. That music video is insane. Like this dude is not afraid of any subject matter and he is very confident about who he is because he is Jesus in his own world. And I think it is incredible to hear this beat. Like even 15 years later, I'm still like, I've never heard anything like this. And that's what you'll hear from me in a lot of these songs. It's like the individual ability to like create this music is he, for those of you that haven't seen the documentary, a, turn this off immediately and and Please. go watch it because it's so we're not that we're not important at all go watch the documentary yeah <laughs> it's it's very clear that he is mislabeled as a producer in his young career and he knows he's more than that and uh yeah this song tells you that he was right yeah i love that pick absolutely love that pick um my number eight is from the yeezus album and it is blood on the leaves i Ooh. adore this song i first heard it at the 2013 vmas when he performed it live oh 100 100 um he performed it live it was revolutionary at the time it started like the way yeah the way it builds and then when that drop comes in i i get hyped every single time i listen to it the vocals are great the production is great and of course i watched the 2013 vmas are, are you out of your mind the vmas <laughs> were important at the time you couldn't miss the vmas especially if you knew kanye was going to be there you know um so yeah i i love the song um i'm not as big on yeezus as a lot of people are i don't hate it i'm just not as big of it on it as a lot of people are but blood on the leaves easily my favorite track my favorite track from the album that is a great pick i said you watched it not because that's an indictment i was also watching and also love this performance and it's also one of my favorite songs by him so i was uh this is uh gonna be again this is gonna be wild slightly off topic but i just want to shout out the 2013 bmas because <laughs> that was also the year that justin timberlake accepted that award for like the michael jackson something something award and he i think that's when nsync like came out with him and he did like a performance of like all of his like hits and 2013 VMAs were really, really good. Like Unless I have medley? the wrong year. No, I think you're right. Like the medley where yeah. you just go through all their... That was pretty cool. I do remember what you're talking about. I can't yeah, believe we was... both watched that. Like what, what was going on in our life in 2013? Wait, again, again, VMAs. VMAs used to be important. Everyone used to watch the VMAs at one point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, I find at my old age, it's hard to get back to that time where music videos actually mattered. <sighs> unfortunately, unfortunately. But sorry, uh, your number seven. 
My number seven is from graduation. And this will be my probably biggest eye roll, I think, on here. It is Can't Tell Me Nothing. Uh, la, 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 la. For anyone that's seen The Hangover, right. you, yeah. you love this song. How cool do you feel when you're walking around with that only playing to yourself in your AirPods? You are your yeah. own world. It's He's very good at conveying that, like, if you believe in yourself you can do anything and that in this song i just like i will play this when i'm confident and it will just boost me up even higher this is an absolute radio banger yeah i went to a a bachelor party back in 2018 19 we went to the hamptons for uh the weekend we like rented a cottage there and we had to blast the song on the way there because of the hangover specifically the like it just screams bachelor party it screams getting so psyched for something um basketball warm-up in my world but yeah i completely yes. agree it's just anything you need you need a little bit of a kick in the butt saying you're great put on some yay come on yeah you remember that commercial with uh sorry for anyone out here who uh, is about to get upset with colin kaepernick where he has the headphones in and it's the uh i'm the man um this is that song for me this is you know like i'm on my shit if i'm listening to this song yeah a- it's absolutely great. absolutely you're number uh, seven my, my number seven is also from the college dropout it is through the wire this song is revolutionary the sample in it is so good it's extremely catchy but then when you get to that certain age where you actually learn that his jaw was like wired essentially shut while he's doing this and i can't commend him enough for getting through this song and putting out that album considering what he was going through i know that's what episode two is going to touch on and i haven't even seen it yet so the fact that it's already number seven it's probably going to move up on my list once i see the doc but i absolutely love the song uh spoilers but yep (laughs) you're right they do touch on it and it's a great pick man he he had and i won't spoil much but he did have a window of opportunity and that was about to be cut short because of uh, the car accident that he was in or motorcycle whatever it is and it's through the wire man he just said you know what i'm doing this regardless yeah that's a great pick Thank um, number six was i believe either your nine or eight i believe it was your nine it is from college dropout as well and it is mm-hmm. all falls down i mean i don't need to say any more than you said it's it's there it's got everything i want in a kanye song i injected into my veins this is it this is a good song completely agree obviously um my number six is from 808s and heartbreak this is going to be another eye roll it's heartless i don't care what Ah. anyone says this song is iconic i mean it's so simple but once you hear it it will be stuck in your head for the rest of the day and some of the covers that have come out from this song um one that i remember just to uh break down real quick chris allen on american idol did like an acoustic version of this song one year it's incredible i mean this song is fantastic i i absolutely love this song uh again if you're eye rolling i'm fine with it unfortunately i'm going to eye roll at you here from a personal standpoint so i love the song but this was one of the few that i can think of his that got overplayed for me and i think i just heard it so many times that when it comes on i want it to go away and then i sit with it for a little bit and i'm like no this is great so it was on my 25 right but then when i was bleeding through i was like okay i've I've been there and done that with this one. And I think it's just straight up timing when it comes to like your favorites. Definitely. Yep. Um, so that's your number six, correct? 
Correct. So again, I feel like <laughs> somewhat your list is just my list. Your lowers are my hires. So at number five, I am also have a broken jaw and talking through the wire. So number five through the wire from college dropout, my third already from that album. I mean, when you're trying to make it, when an, uh, when an artist is trying to make it, they write differently. They have a different mm-hmm. like mindset. And I think that comes through in that, on that album. This, this song is great. The, the documentary just cements what it means to him and how like unique this opportunity was for him and how he like did it despite everything that was happening. Yeah. I, again, echoing everything you just said, it, it, once you learn what went into the song, it, it's already good. And then it just becomes iconic. Um, my number five is another eye roll. Um, my number five is from the graduation album, which I'm shocked it took me this long to get to graduation because going in, I was like, oh, there's going to be a lot of graduation on here. Um, Stronger is, again, heard it for the first time at a VMA performance. Don't know which year. Daft Punk's beat in the background is incredible. Um, This is another get you absolutely hyped song. Um, Kanye at at his best. I, I love this song. Yeah, that's a good one. That is uh, my roommate, Matt Nyoti. His first shout out on the pod. He'll be on here later, I'm assuming. That is his freshman year college anthem he says because i believe it's freshman year it is it was on at every party man that that song was generationally great uh not an eye roll at all it's like you said daft punk it's got everything it's a beat it's a story and it's a pump up i great pick thank you uh number four we're, we're getting we're getting close to the top i'm wondering what we're yep. gonna what we're gonna go with this i have a new album to bring to the table with number four this is from life of pablo and it's ultralight beam. Uh, I'm going to interrupt you because my number four is ultralight beam from the life of Pablo as well. <laughs> okay, amazing. First of all, uh, yes. I sat so yesterday. My life is so my my job because you're getting to know us on this one is working for Georgia State Athletics, and yesterday that required me to be at a baseball game, and I shared my list and like my my uh, kind of thoughts on this with a couple people, and this was not a common popular pick they're like why do you have this on there and i was like this is one of my favorites if not my favorite song and i struggled to keep it as low at four um you can't see me uh listeners but i'm nodding the entire time he's talking right yeah everything uh, he's saying is correct i'll let you go into like the musical identity of why the song is so great but every time it comes on i'm like shh like everyone shh i gotta hear it start to finish every note every feel that album didn't quite land with me i think it might have been a timing thing but this song is an all-time great well just to start it opens the album and the first thing you hear is that young girl doing like her hallelujah and all of that stuff at the very beginning which is yep. iconic yeah and then you get the gospel in the background you get kanye like quietly coming in all of that's great and then you get a chance to the rap reverse like four-fifths of the way through the song that is absolutely incredible um yeah i agree i i wanted to have this higher but i just feel so strongly about these next three um if you haven't listened to life of pablo because i know a lot of people haven't given it a chance especially the song it's about five minutes long which i guess for Kanye isn't that long actually but no, uh, the chance the, <laughs> yeah the, the chance the rapper verse is great the gospel choir in the background is fantastic um some of his best work yeah he uh this is when i think he started to do his uh choir backing 
mm-hmm. in a lot of his music and it, it was big on Jesus is King, but on this song, it just hits so hard. It feels like he just is conveying everything. He's giving you everything like a true artist. He's just giving you everything. And yeah, some people at this point are going to say, I don't like Kanye, like blah, blah, blah. But like, he hasn't changed, man. You changed and you just got sick of him. The dude's great at what he does. Mm, he, he's changed a little bit. He's changed okay. a little bit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's been through some stuff. He has changed. I, I will scale back on that. He it's uh that's more that's a different topic, but yeah, I, I love that we both have this at four. This is a yeah, an essential Kanye West track. And just to be clear, Tom and I have not discussed these lists at all beforehand. So uh very nice to see us having one in common at least um at the same exact spot so we'll just move on right to your number three then i think i know your number three so i'm gonna let you go first you do not know my number three okay fine i'll go first so my number three <laughs> is from yeezus it's my only song on the top 10 from yeezus uh you had it on your list it's blood on the leaves man it's i don't know why but this that performance stuck with me for so long. I've tried to find it on YouTube, but there's not a really good video of it out no, there. No, there's not. It's so frustrating. Why? I know. I that know. was like a big experience to watch that live. And I was like, wow, that song's way better than I thought it was. And then it yeah, just... I'm, Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to touch on this again. Um, and then I'll let you finish. Sorry. I'm going to let you finish. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of VMA performances from Kanye that you cannot find on YouTube, and it drives me insane. Yeah, is that a Sorry. Kanye problem? Not to no, I think it's phrasing. I I think it's an MTV problem. They just don't like YouTube because it, it kind of killed them. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think I don't know because you think YouTube has been huge for how long? You think like ten years performances from 2009 to 2013 should be very accessible? I can and, find uh, American Idol not. stuff there. Like, come on, right? Exactly. But yeah, uh, but no, three, keep, keep going, please. I, I don't know if it is lyrically anywhere near his top, but from a just a beat perspective and a musical experience perspective, like start to finish, it's changing the whole way, but it's also aggressive. It's in your face. This is mm-hmm. his best work in that regard, I think. It's it's going to be tough to say because at this point you're in like the, the top tops. But yeah, this, this song yeah. has always stuck with me. Blood on the leaves. Yeah, my number three was also already on your list. Um, it's from Yay, and it's Ghost Town. Um, what? Yeah, I told you to know my number three. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I we have the same favorite song from Go- from Yay. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, oh, because we have great taste. What do you mean? Um, I know, but this... I had three choices, and I was like, yeah, this one's the best. Yeah, um, you've already said a lot about it, so I just want to touch on some things that you haven't said. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this properly. Zero seven zero shake or zero seventy shake or seventy shake, and you take out the zero. Whatever her name is, the way she ends that song with the uh, "and nothing hurts anymore," I feel kind of free, and with the beat in the background. Yes, I know my singing voice is terrible, but I need to get my point across. It is iconic. I don't know how her career hasn't been launched since this song came out because the whole ending to that is just like it's incredible. It has Kid Cudi. It has Party Next Door. Like you said, you already touched on the story and all of that stuff, so I don't want to repeat too much. But uh, this song gets overlooked so much when people talk about Kanye West. I absolutely love this song. Man, are we going to have the same top two? 
No, we are not. All right. We're going to have one that's in common for sure. Because there's people that are listening that are like, where How is this song where is not it? come up yet? It, it's about to relax. <laughs> I think it is your number two, but my number two, I'm so curious. So like my number two is the fourth. Yeah. The fourth entry I have from college dropout. And that shocked me. I thought my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was going to be my number one. Yeah. When I said that's, we all know album you're talking about. That's the album we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, my number two is family business. I can't think of Kanye without thinking of the intro to the song and it's mm-hmm. touched on in the documentary. It's, uh, I don't know. He just literally kind of says, Hey, I'm going to tell you why I'm going to be great. And the answer is because I don't have anything that I'm keeping to myself. He's going to talk about family business. He's going to explain it and you get to hear it from the the horse's mouth. You get to hear his whole spiel and it's, insane and the sample's great and it's it's everything this is this was a hard decision to put this at number two but it is my number two i hated leaving this song off my list like i like was not happy with myself for doing it um because i completely agree with you and to touch on something he says in the documentary um that i feel like is relative to the to the song early on he says look i can do whatever i want on this first album because i make great beats and i make great money doing it meaning if this album flops I can just go back to making beats and I'll still be making the same money I'm making right now. And that'll be fine. So I'm going to take risks and songs like this at the time were a risk that this is the normal. Now Kanye West changed everything about rap when this album came out. Um, and I, I agree that song was definitely like the fuse that got lit in my opinion um, with like rapping about, you know, really personal things, not just um you know, kind of like talking up yourself and, and, and things like that. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, my number two, uh, which is going to be Tom's number one, so we can talk about it at the same time right now, is Runaway featuring Pusha T. Um, not to bring up the VMAs again, but How the first time Runaway, I heard... How long is Runaway, Cody? How long is Runaway? Nine minutes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. Um, he performed this at the VMAs the year after... He did the Taylor, I'm going to let you finish that whole episode. And this was kind of his first, like, kind of big public appearance since he did that tour. And it, they ended the show with it. And from the moment I heard that song, I was like, this song is going to be with me for the rest of my life. I'm going to listen to it over and over and over again. You can't get anyone more excited for a song with one note like you can with Runaway. As soon as you hear that piano melody, you're like, okay, I'm in. Let's go. It's. I, I'm sorry. I want to let you talk about it too because I know it's your number one. So, so you go ahead. You take it from here. No, you you said a lot of it. Uh, I the the last point you made. Yes, no one will ever. Ah, I don't want to say ever because there's other like shot through the heart. Like there's other things that like get people going. <laughs> oh, the high metro mm-hmm. mother pot is gonna be great. Uh, there's yes, other things. <laughs> there's other things to get people going, but that piano hits and literally like. Again, I'm going to shout out Matt here because Matt, I think he's kind of like we grew up together listening to Kanye, dude. Like this, this guy hits. And if he wants, like if we're together at like a gathering and he has control of the sticks, if he's running the DJ, all it takes is that piano. My head will whip around. And I just like I get so excited to hear the song. The hardest part about putting the song number one for me is I turn it off seven minutes in every time. You can't do that. That's what Matt says, but hear me out. 
I just want to listen to it again. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't, when the lyrics stop, I stop sometimes. And I know that's not the way to, to handle this one, but like, it's, this is a perfect song. I don't say that very often. This is probably a top five all-time song for me, if not a top three. It's him showcasing that a song has layers. He can move from a piano to some just brutal verses. Like he he puts it all out there on this one. It's it's a uh, it's my number one. And now all I can think about instead of talking about how this is my number one is how I might not know your number one. I'm gonna be so disappointed. Yeah, I told you you would know it. Yeah, I, I was. I'm excited to say this. Um, and and I think you understand why once once I once I say it. Um, my number one is only one featuring Paul McCartney. Um, this is a single. It's not even off of an album. He released it in 2015. You're giving me a look right now. People can't see it. Have you not heard this song? I knew he did this song, but I don't know if I've ever heard it. Okay, well, you should listen to it. Um, I first I first heard him perform this on Saturday Night Live. Um, and for those of you that don't know, um, you learned in the documentary that Kanye actually means only one. Um, that's what the translation is. So the song is essentially named after him. And it is essentially him speaking as his mother and what she would say to him right now. Cause at this point she passed away at, at least five years prior. Yeah, it was and, 2007, I think. So it was like, yeah, eight, six. Yeah. It was, it was a bit ago. Yeah. So it, it's her essentially having a conversation with him, reassuring him that, you know, he's going to be okay. And that there is something at the end of this. And, um, you know, for me personally, um, not to get too dark here, I lost my mother, um, just a few months ago. Um, and uh obviously this is uh it's been one of the worst things that's ever happened to me it is the worst thing that's ever happened to me and um i've listened to the song a, a few times since and i can't even begin to speak on the vulnerability you would have to have to talk about something like this and to do it in the fashion that he did it um it lyrically it's beautiful you can tell paul mccartney co-wrote this song with him um I just, uh, I cry when I listen to this song now. Uh, I think it's absolutely beautiful and it talks about reuniting someday and them looking down on you and, and seeing all of the blessings that you're still going through and um, just knowing that, you know, no matter what happens now, when when it's all said and done, you'll be together again. And I, I think that's really important and beautiful. And uh, yeah, that's, that's why that's my number one. I am going to go visit this for sure. And that, I think that was well said, but why is it not on an album? Is it just gapped between a, a couple others? Yeah, I don't think it fits. Uh, it definitely does not fit on Jesus because it's Correct. not that type of song. And it, I also don't really feel like it fits in the life of Pablo. Um, it, it's so just it's probably so... Donda, but just he wanted to get it out there because he felt it. Oh, man, I again, I don't know if it, because again, it, it, there's not really a beat to it it's a lot of like instrumental and it's okay. him like just getting passionate and like he kind of like builds and like starts like getting louder and louder and like the album cover is literally just him like sitting with his child like just the two of them in black and white um so again i know some people are going to hear this and be like really that's your number one uh, you know again personal that's why it's favorite uh, yeah exactly yeah I, I i i just explained why i think it makes sense um it, it's one of the most beautiful songs i've ever heard and uh yeah, it just it, it truly, truly means a lot to me. Um, sure. So, yeah, that is my top 10. And we said we were going to do a couple of honorable mentions each. Um, I'm going to go first here. Mm -hmm. um, 
So the ones I had were Can't Tell Me Nothing and Jesus Walks, which you had both of them. So I guess for the sake of shouting out two different songs that we haven't already said, um, I'm going to say Monster, which is from uh, my uh, beautiful... Ah! Yeah, exactly. With Nicki Minaj and Jay-Z. It it just punches you in the face. Yeah, uh, it's a great, great song. And then um, I guess for the sake of being different and... I'm I'm gonna take a Jesus is King song as well. I love um, Follow God. Um, mm-hmm. Same reasons you do. It kind of reminds me of like Otis in a way. Got to have it like that type of like uh, that type of beat. Um, it's only like a minute and forty seconds long. It's super short, but uh, that song really surprised me from that album. And I feel like a lot of people haven't listened to it. So yeah, I'll I'll shout out those two. Heck yeah. Um, I am gonna shout out three. One is on Jesus as well, Black Skinhead. Mm-hmm. The, the reason it didn't make it is shortness. I it it just doesn't quite. Uh, wait, is that one short or am I thinking of? Uh, so that and Father Stretch My Hands, I sat on for a while and I was like, part one, and I was like, why am why are they not on my list? And it just like came down to like length of song slash like impact and like replayability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second slash third, I guess, cause I didn't have father stretch my hands part one listed as one of the two. My second was power. Uh, mm-hmm. I think everybody mm-hmm. has their favorite like radio hit from Kanye. And yep. my favorite radio hit was do, 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 do on my list. It was probably, I guess. Yeah. I'd say probably all falls down. I guess through the wire was a radio hit. Either way, power is great. It's on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. That usually is what I say my favorite album is. I am shocked that I don't love college dropout as much as I love that. It just must mean yeah. like the story is a little different. Whereas he's just messing around on college dropout. He gets really into it in my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Do you have a favorite album you usually say? So I was actually going to ask you if you wanted to like impromptu super quickly just rank the albums like don't like without even giving it much thought because i thought that'd be fun to kind of just off off your emotion how you remember them like without consuming them all again so you know we might look back on this and be like yeah i might feel differently but just how we feel right now um sure and then um the other thing i wanted to say um because obviously we said watch the throne wasn't eligible and i know some people are probably like what um that one word we refused to say in paris 100 percent would have been on my list and otis 100 percent would have been on my list as well both of those are fantastic otis would have been on my list uh no church in the wild would have been an honorable mention oh yes frank ocean right but i don't think i would have included in paris because i don't know i just i think that's an overplay for me as well maybe Tom, That's, it gets the people going. It does. <laughs> the fact that it's been sampled, it, oh my god, like uh, it's insane. Um, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Do you want to rank Donda or not? Yeah, we'll add Donda. We okay. we just won't have watched the throne or kids see ghost on there. Okay, so there's ten, right? If I'm counting the right. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep, correct. Look at that. Kanye's perfect for us. Yeah. All right. I have my number 10. Yeah, it's mine is Jesus is King. Oh, mine is 808s and Heartbreak because I know the least about it. Is that something I should revisit? Um it's short. No, I I have a few. 
Twelve songs. So I I really like Love Lockdown. I really like Amazing, and I really like Heartless. Obviously, um, Jesus is King. I only like two songs. Um, I need to revisit Use This Gospel apparently because um, I genuinely have no memory of that song in my head when you said it. The two I like are uh, Follow God and Closed on Sunday. So I will revisit. Yeah, um, try Jesus Gospel. Try Praise God as well. Um, I think there's Praise God on God. Maybe fall. I don't know. It's a very Praise God is from Donda. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But yeah, uh, nope, you're good. I was just looking through 808s and Heartbreak, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I like like four songs on here that I don't even have liked on my Spotify. So that's yep. a sad ten. But for nine, for me, nine was going to be Jesus is King. Yep, and nine for me is Donda, Donda. Donda Donda. Sorry, I'm just doing the first. <laughs> um, and again, I don't hate Donda. I, you know, we live in a society today where we have to have an extreme feeling on everything. So it's like, if you don't like it, then you hate it. And if you right. like it, then, oh my God, it's his best. And, it, it, you know, I don't hate any of his albums. I just don't like it as much as I like the other ones. That simple. That's fair. Uh, so we're at eight. Looking through these. Eight is Donda. It's the staying power for me. Not because I don't think it could have staying power. I just, in my first pass and my couple starts of second pass, it just, uh, it's super long and it's like not beat wise up to what I usually expect from him. But lyrically, I feel like there's some stuff on there that I want to sit with a little longer. So, but I'm going to put it in a break. Yeah. My number eight is going to be. I think here I would put Yeezus, which I might regret later. Um, I need to re-listen to it again, I think. But right now, that's where that's going to go because there's only like a couple songs from that that I, I really love. Um, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Bound 2 like everyone else is. Oh, um, that's what I was just about to ask you. I love Bound 2. Uh, I just... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where you're... Di- the, you're uh, not liking it because I think you like Black Skinhead. Yes, you clearly like. I like, Blood new, on I the like new Slaves as well. Okay, and you love Blood on the Leaves, so it's bound yep. to that doesn't like hammer at home for you. So I, that makes sense. Yep. So that was your. Sad, I keep losing track here. That was my eight. My number seven is going to be. probably following your lead and going Jesus as well. I like and remember three songs on there that I've listed before. Black Skinhead, Blood on the Leaves, and Bound 2. I'm sure there's more merit to the others. I just I'm when I go albums I think of Staying Power and like how many songs I'm just going to be like, "Oh yeah, absolutely." And that mm-hmm. one probably has the least of the last seven, so I will go with Jesus here. Yeah, my number 7 is going to be uh 808s and heartbreak so we have the same bottom four um so nothing nothing too crazy there i think that's to be expected um what is your number six i think you're between three of them you probably so let me quickly look at this one i think I'm again between... i just sprang this on him so i apologize for any dead air we might have here but i just thought it'd be fun while while we're doing uh kanye just to kind of see where same. we're at right now same i think I am going, ah, this is hard. It is between three. You are correct. And I am going to go surprisingly, I think, with graduation here. What? (laughs) 
I don't have a ton of this feels like his radio album stronger flashing lights yep can't tell me nothing good life good morning and you have a number six i do i like for, you're, you're making me go on the spot here and i i'm probably gonna take a lot of flack for this because i assume this is everybody's one two or three probably one or two and I'm putting it six. So I'm just going to say that there's something about this album that doesn't stay with me as long as the others. And I will be wrong on this if I need to be wrong. And I'll probably revisit And But this will probably be my first audio clip in our many. For those that are, that are still <laughs> listening, I appreciate you. Just know that. And I, w- I will speak to him about this off pod because that, oh, uh, man. Okay, you know what? It's your opinion. It's your opinion. Um, my number six would be, I think Yay would go here for me. Um, it's just not very long. I think it's only six or seven tracks. Six, yeah. Um, oh, no, sorry, seven, only... seven, seven. Seven, okay, yeah. Um, I really enjoy it. It's just, again, longevity. I don't replay it that much. Um, the songs that I love, I love. Um, so, yeah, that, w- that would be number uh, number six for me. And piggybacking off that, I would put it at number five. The only reason I'm this high on it, because it is short. He's right. This is my move to Atlanta track, man. This came out right when I came down here. And I played the bejesus out of it. And if you know the album artwork, it says on there uh, in front of mountains, I hate being bipolar. It's awesome. And I feel very strongly that like everyone has some semblance of mental health something or other right and this album to me is just him showing yes i'm not perfect this is the only one he does it yes i'm not perfect but also like here's what's going on with me and i just think straight from the beginning where he talks about like i thought about killing you he's not talking about killing himself listen to the song he's very very adamant about a lot of things and this album just is very like it's personally very strong in my opinion at conveying and i've said convey about a hundred times on this podcast conveying what goes on in his head and that's a hard thing to do so yeah you uh you moved to atlanta during this and actually ken and i were driving to florida the day this album came out to do the disney college program so we listened to it in the car which is not the best first listening experience you can have with something. Correct. Um, especially when you're road raging through Georgia, coincidentally. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, again, I still really enjoy this album. Uh, it's just not higher for me than some of the others. My number five is going to be Late Registration. Um, I'm not as high on some of the songs on here as I think some other people are. Obviously, I had uh, Hey Mama uh, as uh, number 10 for me, but I don't love Gold Digger as much as everyone else does. Um, I like I like Touch the Sky. Um, I like the uh, I'm struggling to remember the title right now. The one with Adam Levine. Heard him say I like. Um, I, lo- I love heard him say or love is then, strong. I like it. Yeah, yeah, and then same with the Diamonds from Sierra Leone. I know everyone likes that one. I like the Jay Z stuff, but um, yeah, same. it just it doesn't do a ton for me. So that's number five for me. So um, yeah, uh, yeah, number four for me. This was a tough one as well. I, I'm surprised it actually got this high. If I revisit this, I might slip a little bit more. It's Life of Pablo. 
Um, okay. I enjoy, like we said, Ultralight Beam. You can't start an open better than that. But I, it's long, man. 20 songs, an hour, six minutes. It's got a lot on there that I'm just looking at the titles and I'm like, which one's that? And I think of the group left, that's the only one where I'm like a little confused with any of the songs. So I'll put Life of Pablo at four. Okay, so I'm down to that, 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 and that. Yeah, I think my number four is going to be The Life of Pablo as well. Um, again, I think I'm a little higher on this album than you, than you despite having it at the same spot. Um, but I think that's just how high you are on on the top three of, of yours, which obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, there's just some songs that don't quite do it for me, but I, I love Ultra Light Beam. I love Father Stretch My Hands Part 1. Um, Famous is catchy, despite disagreeing with some of the stuff he says. Um, <laughs> I love Kanye. It's super underrated. Um, and Waves, uh, featuring Chris Brown, I really like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I really like uh, Life of Pablo as well. So yeah, that's my number four. Okay. We're down to the, the top three, and we have two that are in common still. Yeah. Um, one that we don't. Yeah, so my number three will be the uncommon one. It's it's late registration. Uh, you just put it at five, correct? Correct. I I like this one. You've touched on some of the songs, including you touched on the sky. Uh, I agree about Gold Digger. I don't even have it liked in Spotify. I find it to be yep. overplayed, and the hook mm-hmm. doesn't work anymore. The hook worked when it came mm-hmm. out, and I don't I don't love it anymore. Uh, heard him say, "I love." Wake Up Mr. West, another good way to like lead off an album. Uh, mm-hmm. I have Diamonds Like. I'm a big fan of it. I understand why some people aren't like huge, huge on it. But like, hey, Mama's on there. This album just, uh, I don't know. It just hits a little bit more than some of the ones below it. And it's got a lot of uh, stuff going on. So, yeah, I'm going to put Late Registration at number three. Okay. Um so to wrap this up a little quicker, because here's what's about to happen, I think. I'm going to have Graduation at three. Yeah. I already named the songs I loved when I was uh, mockingly ridiculing Tom for putting it at number six, I think you had it at, which I, I still don't understand. Um, so we're going to have the same top two. Yep. I think despite how the top ten shook out, we're still going to agree the album as a whole, listening to it from start to back, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is number one. Yep. And the college dropout is number two. Correct. Um, I, I don't. I can't identify why it's better, but it's better. I. I... Um. Oh no, no, no. no. We we can. Okay, <laughs> I, at least I think we can. Uh, Power is great. Yep. Right. You get the all of the lights interlude that leads into all of the lights. So if you listen to the full album, it's fantastic. Then you get Monster right after. So you've gotten those three right in a row: Power, All of the Lights, Monster, Devil in a New Dress, featuring Rick Ross, right before Runaway as well is such a slam dunk um and then after that the, they're not like great songs i love like, blame game i love blame yeah game. I was gonna, I, I, that's the one i was more looking at yeah and the, as you keep listening you're like still like pleasantly surprised like throughout where um college dropout less songs more more skits um mm-hmm. you know uh, like i know some people love workout plan and the new workout plan um i think they're fine you know that takes up a good 10 minutes while you're listening. So that's just the reason I think we have it in the order we do. So yeah, those are our top 10 Kanye albums. That's our, our Kanye bit. Um, again, I don't agree with everything um, he has done over the past however many years, but let's separate that from 
you know, who he is musically, which is, uh, he's a musical genius, whether it be producing lyrics, you know, anything like that. He's, he's great. Have you heard easy yet? I have not. Is that the seen the video? Yes. It is. is that them? Yes. Bearing Pete. Uh, yeah. I've heard of it. <laughs> okay. It's uh it's something I think people are madder than I am, but that's usually the, the commonality in the world is I'm not going to be as mad as the masses. Um, it's yeah. uh it's a ride. I won't say anything about it, but check it out. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that was our last big subject uh, for the podcast. So the way we want to end this, um, there's a, a different podcast I listen to called the Jesselnik and Rosenthal Vanity Project that features Anthony Jesselnik and Greg Rosenthal from the NFL Network. And at the end of every episode, they do what they call recommendation station and they recommend something to their listeners. And we're not going to do this every episode, but I like the idea of, you know, just taking something that you love that might not be as popular or, uh, you know, mainstream and, and just, you know, giving it some love. So if one person listens to this and they decide, Hey, I'm going to check it out. It's a win, you know? Um, so yeah, we're going to do that with this first episode. Um, Tom, I'm going to let you go first because you already know mine and I am dying to know what your recommendation is going to be. That's a good point. Um, so I thought about this, not as long as I thought I would need to. And I was just kind of driving to work a couple of days ago and I was like, Oh yeah. Like I've said this before. This was personally recommended to me. Um, so I was looking for something new in the comedy world because I think it's the hardest thing to do now yes. be- because of what's going on in the world and how we've become. So mine is a Hulu show that came out in 2019. It's called pen 15, which if you were 12, <laughs> if you were 12, once, yeah. you know what that is. It's penis. That's what it is. Um, it is a labeled as a cringe comedy. Um, it stars Maya Erskine or Erskine and Anna Conkle, who are actually adults. But this show, have I talked to you about the show before? I, I'm familiar with it. Okay. So they are adults playing like seventh graders, I think it is. They're they're in middle school. And while while the rest of the people on the show are actual seventh graders. Correct. So there is <laughs> there are scenes early on. It is the most uncomfortable viewing experience to watch two adults act like kids around kids who are playing kids it's it's incredible man these two are super talented it's two seasons right now it says on wikipedia but i believe it's either i they either released the third season or the second half of two i can't remember exactly how they broke it down and how they released it but i'm telling you if you want laugh out loud laughs this is this is an absolute slam dunk of a show it just it shows you how awkward childhood is and it's funny to watch these two adults fall into character like the uh what is it called when you at the beginning of the show when they show like uh it's like their intro song their theme song is mm-hmm. displayed to like a almost like a powerpoint of them those two actresses are like actually growing up and it's like pictures of them as kids so it's really cool because you're like oh wow like they're playing themselves yeah it's just oh like how they would have been in seventh grade had they oh that's actually cool yeah it's so cool they're best friends that obviously are 13 so they're fighting all the time but they also like are cheesy and it's just absolutely hilarious like probably the best like comedy tv show i've seen in a while like and that's included like ted lasso it's got that level of comedy i'll i'll, I'll put it up oh wow that. it's it's really good so i highly recommend everyone check it out if you don't you're missing out these guys are gonna be oh they were in um 
if you watch Big Mouth, if you're listening and you watch Big Mouth, they were in the they were like voice actors in one of the uh, episodes. And it was really cool because they literally looked like themselves. And it's just I think they're this is going to be a launching pad for them and you'll see more stuff. Yeah, I love that. Um, my recommendation is also going to be a show. Um, it's on Netflix. They finally announced season two is coming out April 20th. So I thought this is a perfect time to recommend it. So you can watch season one before the second season. It's called Russian Doll. Like I said, it's on Netflix. It stars Natasha Lyonne, who you might know from American Pie. She's uh, Tara Reid's friend in that or uh, Orange is the New Black. I know she was in. Um, and it's like a Groundhog's Day meets um, like Happy Death Day, I guess. They both kind of have that same premise of you're reliving the same day over and over again but there's like a mystery horror element to it and it's her um it's the evening of her birthday and she keeps dying and when she dies she gets reset to her birthday and she can't figure out why this is happening and you kind of watch her slowly put pieces together um in a funny but yet scary in some ways um way it's extremely clever i believe the first season's only yeah it's only eight episodes long each episode's around 20 to 25 minutes. It's super fast to watch. Um, I watched it all in like two days. I think I did four, so two hours a day. Um, and yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. The writing's clever, the comedy hits, and you're genuinely curious where the show's going to go when the season ends. So yeah, I would catch up on this before season two comes out. And uh, yeah, that's my recommendation. Which platform did you say it was on again? Netflix. Okay, because I... I'm only confused by the title, but I feel like you can't explain it without giving something away. So a Russian doll is, um, you've probably seen them. It's the big doll and you unscrew half of it and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as it goes. I think it's just a play on like, it's the same thing, but in a, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. I was always confused when you told me to watch Russian doll and I was like, how is Natasha Lane Russian? Yeah. I literally got that confused. Yep. Yeah. I know. Cause I think when people hear that title, they're like, oh, it's going to be some like Soviet Russian spy type thing. Yep. Yep, you're nodding. So, yep. Yeah. Um, Wait, yeah, that I, is... I want to put you on the spot once because you put me on the spot. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So, I was thinking about this as you were saying, oh, like we're recommending things. How about one must avoid? And I'll lead so you have time to think. Oh, no. It can be okay. TV. It can be a song. It can be a movie. It can be uh, uh, <laughs> whatever you want. But my okay. must avoid is the movie Love hard and i'm going to say it one more time into the mic so everyone can hear it so they never ever 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 watch it it's called love hard it is a netflix christmas <laughs> I, I i've seen the trailer for this i looked it up while you were saying it give, yep, give me continue. some specs what does it got on there for like a rotten tomatoes or a, a score it has a kind? six it has a 6.3 out of 10 on imdb as a 42 out of out of 100 by critics um yeah, it, it doesn't look like my my cup of tea just from looking at it. I'll let you go into it more, but yeah. Not it good. is a <laughs> a maybe it's my interpretation of Christmas movies where I don't like many of them, but this one sucked hard. And I know that's the cheesiest thing I'm gonna say on this whole pod <laughs> because I like uh Nina Dobrev, she's the lead in it, I believe. And I tried to sit through this and like it. And there were like three scenes where I was like, that's comedy. The rest of the movie, I think it's about 90 minutes. Mm. Like most rom-coms are is unwatchably bad, terrible, 
it's hard to watch. Uh, I watched it with a total of five people, two people, myself included, stood up and raved about how anything can get made on Netflix these days. And three people were like, I kind of liked it. So I may be in the minority here. I've said this opinion to a couple people and got like, wow, you just don't like Christmas. No, I like Christmas, but I also like originality. And this movie had zero. <laughs> Love hard. Okay. Um, Man, I haven't watched anything like, I feel like terrible lately. So I'm trying to come up with, I have what I want to say, which I think you know what it is. Yeah, um, I, I, so, I, yeah screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my credibility on, on the line for this. Right. There's a movie that just came out that got nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have to lead off with that because now you're gonna go. Oh, okay, so he's uh, he's he's wrong. It's called Nightmare Alley. It stars Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, and Rooney Mara, um, granddaughter of New York Giants owner John Mara. Shut up. Um, <laughs> this movie is two and a half hours long. It could have been an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, the acting is great. The uh, style, if you will, the set pieces, all that stuff, very cool. This plot is like watching water drip out of a faucet like but not like not just like a continuous trip like that one last drip that's like slowly coming you know, off the faucet sticky. and then water is sticky the... so you mean the one that's stuck up there for like eight seconds yes. okay. exactly yes exactly you're just like come on go <laughs> like go, do do something and by the time the plot like really starts to go you're an hour and 45 minutes into this movie and you're like what am i doing with my life uh my fiance ken and i finished it and I asked her candidly, what would you give this out of a 10? And she was like, I would give it a two. And that's me being nice. Um, and I would have to agree. It's, it's so boring. It's, and for me, it was very predictable. I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, the ending really like, there's a scene in this movie where they spend 15 minutes on like this one subject. And it's like, okay, so this is clearly going to come back around later. Um, and it, and it does. Um, so yeah, if you like that movie, I'm happy for you. Um, if you don't, um, I'm one of your people. I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, just don't do it. It's free on Hulu. It's free on HBO Max. It's available on plenty of things. Find something better to do. You know, <laughs> I, I, I actually beg of you. Um, I was very disappointed by it. So, yeah, that's that's my stay away. Um, I, I don't know. I'm very glad you went that route because that's the kind of softball I was trying to give you. Yeah, um, I could feel I, it. I could feel it. I yeah. obviously, given my laughter throughout the whole thing, loved that movie and will forever disagree. And that's why this is going to be great. Yeah. Um, as we get into this podcast more, I just want to end it with kind of like explaining, I guess, what this is going to be more so. Um, the reason we decided to to do a podcast in general, obviously, like if people listen, that's super fun. Um, but more so, we uh, have bonded over the years on giving takes on you know movies, sports, everything like that. And we really want to keep track of when we're like horribly, horribly wrong and when we're incredibly right. Um, we have a few ideas kind of going forward, but yeah, every week we're going to, you know, it might be sports, it might be movies, it might be TV, it might be music. It might just be what's going on in the world. We, we might have a couple episodes where we just talk about us and kind of like what's going on there. Um, you know, just really break things down this week. You know, this is our first episode. We decided three subjects. We went way longer than we thought we were going to, which, uh, way longer. Yeah. Which I think is good. Um, you know, um, but yeah, there might be some weeks where we talk about literally one thing the entire episode. Um, 
And we've got a couple other things in the works that I'm not going to say now in case we don't do them, but I, I also think that could be really cool, like some live reactions to certain things and, and things like that. Um, we'll see if they work out, though, because obviously we both have schedules in our, our normal lives as well. But, uh, yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, you know, uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, if you if you listen to this and you know us and you like there's something you absolutely hated, uh, hated, text us. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us what we could improve on. Um, if there's something you really liked, let us know and tell us like, hey, I want more of that, less of this. Um, yeah, we're just kind of going to go from there. Um, anything you want to say in closing thoughts? Yeah, uh, I completely agree with everything you said. I mean, this is we were already doing a podcast. We just weren't recording it. So like all of our conversations start light and we usually at some point vehemently disagree about something and that's when it really gets good so i'm gonna go watch nightmare alley and remind myself how much i love it you're gonna go listen to only one and that's then, what you're gonna do yeah i definitely need to do that and then i will also listen to uh graduation and revise the, i need to graduate from graduation is what needs to happen it sounds like yes i but, um, i completely agree yeah, we we're doing this for fun, but we hope people listen. If they don't, I literally don't care. I don't think he cares. I think we're just gonna no. put. This is the uh, ten years later. We want to go back and be like, "What did I think about this?" And when it's so wrong, I want to laugh so hard at myself for even uttering certain words. And we have examples in the past that we could use that we're not going to for the sake of. Uh, <laughs> you don't uh, want to embarrass me on the first one. Wait till the third one. You know. Yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait till we have some backup here to to really you know rub it in. I think this is going to be fun and join us for the ride or turn it off. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that is our first episode. Like I said, I really hope you guys enjoyed. If you listen to this whole thing, thank you so much. Uh, means you didn't get bored at some point. Um, and yeah, I hope to hear from you guys and we will be back. We're going to try to do once a week. I think we're going to try to, that might not always happen. Um, if something big comes up, who knows, we might have uh, two in one week or we might have none. And, you know, we'll explain why, especially during the summer when there's like just not a ton going on. World We're going to have a this lot. Year, though. World Cup this year. So we might have a little to work with. I forgot about the World Cup being this year. That is exciting. So, yeah, yeah um, we will see you guys hopefully next week. Later, guys. See ya.